team. Here we go. Right, this evening, you're going to be a little bit more short and sharp from me. Um, I want to talk about a couple of things. I want to uh, dive into a couple of things, and there's going to be some new stuff coming for uh, the next month. And then that's it, really, because I know that Tuesdays was pretty heavy. I know it was pretty deep. We got pretty deep on that. If you haven't caught up on Tuesday yet, please do go back and do so um, at some point over the coming few days prior to next week. There's going to be a few things we're going to do off the back of that coming into next week as well. So very, very, very much um, worth going back, either listening to the podcast or jumping on the video, whatever, um, to revisit that. Now then, a couple of should we do admin points first? Let's do admin points first. Why not? A couple of admin points from me. From next week, we will be going to one coaching call per week, and it's going to be on a Wednesday at 6 p.m. The reason for the change is because, A, I like to go off on tangents, and I like to get pretty deep in these calls. And I know that you're all very busy. I know you've all got stuff going on. And I think having two of them per week, it's great, but I think there's a lot of information in there. So what I want to make sure we can do is on those Wednesday calls, we make them a solid 45 minutes. And in that time, you know, we're going to have slides, you're going to have stuff, there's going to be interactive things to do. Think back to that mindset one that we did a couple of months ago, akin to that. I want you to have things to do rather than just be a passenger watching. I want there to be things to think about and I want there to be real actionable information on it. And then what we can do is we can theme the entire week around the subject of that course. So we can really dive into those particular areas and each week then has a bit of a theme which I think is going to be a much better idea. The chat that we've got is absolutely fantastic. I'm going to rename that essentially. I'm trying to think of something a bit more adventurous than open office, but that's kind of what it is, where you can spurt off all your questions and bits and pieces and we can talk about dirty shoes. Um, I think that's a really, really great place for us to be able to just share ideas and questions and bits and pieces and people are going to benefit from the answers. But equally, as we've proven from last week, it's not just me that answers the questions, which A, is absolutely phenomenal and B, just goes to show um, that the, the calibre of people that we've got in this group is absolutely phenomenal. So that's what I feel is going to be a very good idea going forward. And each one of those calls, we will do them through Zoom because there are going to be things, um, there'll be people sharing with us and I want to get more people on the call itself as well. So not just me talking, but other people. Um, we're going to be starting that off with having someone else on the call, not next week, but the week after, which is going to be very good. I'm basically going to be looking into um, case studies of people who have either been through the adventure coach, who have completed the adventure coach, or are pretty much deep into it, so that you can all start to see you know, where each other are at. We can start to understand other people's journeys through the entire process as well, and really start to gain value from what other people have been doing, which I think is a really phenomenal thing, but also a very key part of building a community. I've been... I think fairly honest in, in these calls in saying I'm not the most social person in the world. So I do struggle with kind of more community stuff because I'm not necessarily the meme sharing kind of person. But it's good that this community that we've built here is just cultivating into something that's absolutely phenomenal and absolutely fantastic. And I'm extremely proud of everybody here. And I really want to start celebrating that and, and looking into where people are going. So that's where I feel that those calls should go. That's a very, very good thing for us. Was there anything else admin-wise? I don't think there was. No, I don't think there was. Um, clearly, if you've seen my posts, you'll be looking, uh, you'll be seeing that we're doing a bit more of a drive to get some more members into the Avenger Coach. Essentially, rather than having ad hoc um, people coming in every now and then, I want to start doing drives in sort of quote-unquote intakes. So over the next eight weeks, I would like to increase this group by 10 people, and then that'll be it for the next intake until October. 
And what that means is people join, we can deal with them, we can get them into the process, and then they can start growing and thriving within the Adventure Coach. Clearly, you know, not everyone's going to be in here forever, which is absolutely fine. But ultimately, what that means is there's going to be a bit more dedicated time to growth and then a bit more of a dedicated time to seeing each and every single one of you striving and growing without then having to worry about, you know, people sort of coming in here, there and everywhere. So uh, any posts that you see and you want to share, I would hugely, hugely appreciate because that's going to help us grow the audience, grow the awareness of what it is that we're doing here. Ultimately, that would be hugely, hugely appreciated. Admin points. I think that might be it. Should we talk about garlic? Right. Well, I went for a um, run this, uh, this afternoon. It was fairly howling. I did a long and arduous hill session. Um, I think it was it was ten by thirty second hill reps uh, with two to three minutes in between, and then five by ninety second hill reps on basically a hill that just got steeper and steeper and steeper. So I did the first five here, then the second five here, then the last five up here. I was absolutely howling. It was disgusting. Got to the point, you know where your chest is burning and you just want to be sick? That was pretty much where I was at. But it was a fantastic session. It was also at the time of a rolling thunderstorm in the pouring rain. And I was kind of thinking of a couple of things that I want to dive into. Not too deep. I'm just, I'm not trying to go off on too many tangents here, but I just want to share. Look, at the end of the day, the weather's not always going to be great. And when you get out and you can find the joy and the fun and the happiness out, or at least, at very least, a smile in getting out there and thrashing yourself in honking weather. It's pouring it down with rain. Uh, there's a thunderstorm rolling in. It's not the warmest time of the uh, time of the day either. When you can find that, we're in a very, very cool place because when you can smile and have this cheerfulness in the sense of in the face of adversity, then what you're doing is you're altering your perception of what the world's going to throw at you. Adventures are great in the sunshine, don't get me wrong. Bluebird Day is absolutely wonderful. But there's an awful lot to be learnt, to be experienced and to be taken away from doing these things in the tough weather, in the tough days, in getting out there and embracing the rain. You'll never regret a workout. And you might feel wet and cold at the time, but the worst thing about raining is you get wet. Once you're wet, it's fine. you just got to keep moving. So that was a little thing I was kind of thinking about. And then as we carried on, got through, got to the end of the run, had a couple of hundred metres to walk in just to make sure the dog was okay and he had had his walk um, and fell over some wild garlic. So I thought, I know what I can do. I will pick some wild garlic because being adventurous, embracing the sense of adventure does not just come from travelling around and doing cool things outside. It's being adventurous in the kitchen as well, team. You know, there's a lot of folks here that are kind of going through the phase of collating different types of recipes, whether you're looking for quick and simple ones, maybe you're looking for more elaborate ones, maybe you're looking for stovetop ones, whatever it is, you're collating a repertoire of recipes. We very seldom go over, you know, the same 20-ish recipes, if that, if actually, that we just cycle over and over and over and over and over again, right? So being adventurous in the kitchen means you're expanding your horizons and expanding your comfort zones a little bit in those particular areas. Because look, at the end of the day, as you're going through as you're going through this metamorphosis of being a bit more adventurous in the kitchen, then look, you're learning new things, you're doing new things. So I picked a bunch of wild garlic. Now, for those who don't know, I used to be a head chef uh, and run uh, ran a kitchen restaurant once upon a time. And um, kitchen restaurant? That's obvious, isn't it? A restaurant kitchen. That's the one. Not a kitchen restaurant. That's, that's kind of a given, isn't it? Um, yes, I uh, ran a restaurant's kitchen once upon a time and I was always keen at this time of year I would disappear onto the same hill where I went running and come back with literally a bin bag full of wild garlic and then we'd process it and do all sorts of weird and wonderful things with it and I thought you know what I'll take some home 
and I made a wild garlic and nettle pesto and I've just cooked off some chicken uh, with some spinach, made a cream sauce with a secret ingredient which I guarantee you will not be able to guess and um, think about creamy stuff and then like what you can cook with and then jump in the comments throughout this call see if you can think what made a creamy sauce creamy that wasn't cream. I don't think you'll guess it, but if you do, unbelievable. But it made an absolutely phenomenal, um, an absolutely phenomenal texture and a phenomenal taste. And if you cook it down to the point where it just starts to caramelise, it's absolutely insane. And then added some pesto to some orzo, so you have orzo pasta with pesto, fresh pesto, uh, with some other greens. I think it was broccoli and asparagus. Um, did the chicken, threw some chicken in there as well, and then served it with wild garlic flowers because team. When you embrace being a little bit more adventurous in the kitchen, what you're doing is you're, you're embracing simple and easy things that you can forage for. Now, there's definitely, you know, things like mushrooms you need to be a little bit more careful with because it's very easy to get them wrong. But getting like chanterelle mushrooms, field mushrooms, that sort of thing, these are absolutely phenomenal, absolutely fantastic. Um, because they're just embracing your connection with nature. The whole point of adventure is to have some form of connection with the outdoors, to have some form of connection with nature, right? It's not just about pushing our own boundaries. It's about getting out there. That's why working out outside hits you differently to going to the gym. That's why going for a run outside hits you differently to running on a treadmill or a track. That's why exploring new trails hits you differently to doing, you know, a track run or a road run. You're embracing the fact that you are connecting more with nature. And I know that sounds pretty hippie. I know it sounds pretty woo-woo. But look, at the end of the day, that's exactly what it is. Because we are ingr it's ingrained in our minds, in our psyche, in our in our physiology to be able to need to get out in nature because that's what we are now yes like mud on your shoes yes 100% embrace those trails Sarah and get those shoes dirty we need a before and after shot actually so I need to know we need to see the clean shoes because I want I would love to know what you've got and then we need to see them with at least a full covering of dirt on not just a tiny speck that you then clean off with a toothbrush after I'm so, I can I see you uh, tofu, it was not tofu, but tofu was a phenomenal thing to make a creamy sauce with, by the way. If you get silken tofu and blend that up, um, and then you emulsify it with oil, so put it in the blender and then pour a little bit of oil in until it emulsifies and goes a bit like a mayonnaise kind of texture. Phenomenal um, way to make a really, really good creamy sauce, by the way. But it was not tofu. I guarantee you won't, you won't guess it. You won't guess it. Because, yes, going back to where we were... Team, this is all about connecting with nature. And when you go outside and you eat food, you take things, produce from the outside, you bring them into your kitchen, what you're doing is connecting with what you're eating at a far deeper level. Now, I'm trying to keep this, you know, above water here, but just bear with me. How much of the food that we eat is processed? Now, I know people say processed food's bad, but think about it. Everything's bloody well processed. Cut meat is processed. Tofu is obviously quite processed. It's the hyper-processed foods that we ideally want to avoid. That's the stuff that's got a million and one ingredients. That's Hyper-processed foods are things like <laughs> Pop-Tarts, junk foods, general things like that. Hyper-processed foods. When we look at what we eat on a state of processed foods, we're taking away our connection with what it is that we're eating. You know, you go and get the frozen, I don't know what they're called, can't think of the brand. There's like, you get like cauliflower hash browns, you get like spinach bites, you get like vegan tofu bites, you get all these different bits and pieces that you've got in your freezer. The more of that stuff we eat, that's fine, that's no problem. 
but think about how processed it is. When you think about what it is that you've eaten over the last 24 hours, how much of that was actually processed to the point where you didn't actually see the actual constituent parts of that food or you didn't see all that food in its raw state? See, when you think about that, when you look at that, A, we start to think, well, actually, how can I get more, less processed foods in my overall diet? Things like fruits and vegetables and eating vegetables in its different forms, you know, that's where pickling can come in, that's where eating raw vegetables can come in. You know, the more we can get that into the diet, fantastic. But then think about it on a going even deeper and you go and collect it from outside. Is there going to be a nutrient difference? Very marginally, yes because you are reducing the time from which that stuff was picked. Like for example, the garlic, you know, the, the time that garlic was picked to the point that I put it in my face is a very short amount of time. However, when you get it from the store, you get a pack of apples, for example. Well, they've been off the tree for a couple of weeks at that point, you know, and sprayed with stuff to keep them fresh. When we try and connect to our food in that sense, it makes food a little bit more fun. Now, granted, you have to be a kind of bit of a foodie in this sense. If you literally just see food as it's a fuel source so I, and I'll eat it so I don't die, then clearly I'm probably not speaking to you right now. However, if you have a bit of a passion for food, let's start to get a bit more adventurous with it. And this is where I basically just want to issue you a bit of a quick challenge this evening. And I want you to post and I'll put a, because I'm going to put the recipe for tonight's dinner, I'm going to put that in the group. What I'd love to do is have each of you share however many recipes you want but at least one recipe in the comments that is something that you have cooked from absolute scratch and and show us a picture of what you've actually cooked don't just like uh screenshot the recipe tell us about it i'd love to know because the thing is this is encouraging us so i'm just going to close the window really loud tractor outside this is encouraging us to be a little bit more connected with what we're eating. The more mindful we are when we're eating, the more we're cooking our food, especially those with families. Sarah Howard, I'm looking at you here. You know, the, the, the more we have that connection with food in the household, then the more that's rubbing off on other people. The more you'll start doing that when friends come over for food. The more you're going to start embracing this element of being more adventurous in the kitchen, of being more mindful of what it is that we're eating. And you are then understanding the constituent parts of your food. This subconsciously is then getting you, when you do start to look at other more processed foods, maybe you get like, I don't know, a ready meal from Cook, from the co-op or, you know, whatever it is. You then start to look at the ingredients a little bit more and start to go, well, actually, what, what are these X, Y, and Z ingredients that I just don't really understand? You know, certain things, emulsifiers and that sort of stuff, they're not things like emulsifiers aren't necessarily bad they're necessary for longer life food but you can then start to look at that and go well could i just make that myself you know i when i go traveling away and i live out the car or I go camping i live off those packets of uh jamie oliver like curried lentils and chickpeas and that sort of thing like french poi and i can't remember it's like heritage garden or something like that make or whatever it is you know i live off them but then you look at the ingredients and you go i could just make that myself with far less ingredients because you're not then trying to preserve it for a very very long time the more connected you are with what you're eating the more you embrace that adventurous sense in the kitchen the healthier you're going to be folks and i'm not saying it's going to directly or not necessarily going to directly influence the overall nutritional quality of your diet to any massive extent 
but what it is going to do is connect you to what you're eating so you're not just blindly eating for the sake of eating you are embracing things a little bit more you are more mindful of what's going in the food you are more mindful of what's going in your body and i can see it with you all when i put that video up um i think it was in yeah when i was in scotland talking about drinking you know and changing attitudes to drinking this is the same thing you're changing attitudes to drinking like you're changing attitudes to burger king how many people really go to burger king still like really you know maybe you do but probably not at the same frequency as you have before I think the last Burger King I had was about four years ago. Because it made me feel ill after. Why? Because you become more mindful of what it is that you're eating. And then you go into that and you think, oh, I don't really want to eat that. I don't really want to put that in my face. It doesn't need to be in my body. And that comes from being more mindful of around what you're eating and drinking. And what better way than to really experiment by cooking something from absolute scratch all the way through and then eating it. And what better way is going out in the garden and picking some ingredients. Wild garlic grows literally everywhere. Literally everywhere. If you don't like garlic, clearly I'm not talking to you here right now. Like I'm not, I'm not speaking directly to you. But it grows everywhere. Go and find some woods, preferably wet woods, and you'll find garlic everywhere. And the thing is, you can turn it into some amazing things. So that was a bit of a tangent really based on garlic. Yeah. I wasn't expecting this evening's call to go that way. I had other things planned for tonight's talk, but actually I thought, you know what, let's talk about kitchen stuff because we always talk about training and we always talk about technical adventures and we always talk about mindset, but very seldom in the nutrition land do we talk about actually connecting with what it is that you're eating. It sounds a little bit hippie and out there, but think about it laterally. If you are more mindful of what makes up the food that you eat, then inadvertently you are going to become a healthier person because you are monitoring and understanding what makes up that food you eat, which is a very important place to be. There we go, team. What do you think of that? What are your comments, thoughts? Where are we at just now? We've got some people in here. Jump on the comments. <clears throat> Let me know where you're at. Let me know what you think from this particular point, what your biggest takeaway is so far. Um, any other guesses on what makes a creamy sauce? Uh, I made about 70% of my nutrition for my challenge. Yeah, 100%, Tony. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you were cooking things from scratch, um, apart from the pizza. But you were cooking things from scratch, you know, in the back of your van or in the campsite, you know. Absolutely, 100%. This is what it's all about, because you are... There's a time and a place for, you know, prepared nutrition, like gels and packets and sachets and stuff like that. There is absolutely... I'm not saying we need to completely transform that. What I'm saying is... In that time, outside of that, we need to try and connect with what we're eating just a little bit deeper. We need to try and connect with what we're eating to a higher level so that we better understand what we're putting in our body. Because ultimately, that is what's fueling the machine. And for a lot of you, in fact for everybody, what you put in your body, how you treat your body and what you eat will directly influence the performance of your fitness, your adventures, your lifestyle, your libido, your work performance, your mood, your clarity of thought, all of that is going to be influenced by what you eat. Because there's something that, it's not a physical thing, but there is a something called the gut-brain axis, which is a relationship between stomach, gut, intestines, digestive system, and the brain. If you have a healthy, flourishing gut, you will think clearer. 
you will not get so many headaches you will not really you'll not get so much lethargy because when the gut is stressed then the brain loses energy doesn't necessarily lose energy but it's the best way i can use to describe it it's a bit like you know the wind up torches here we go ben turner analogy coming in you know the wind up torches and they go and you wind them up right Imagine that that wind-up torch is actually charging a battery for the light, for the torch, right? So some of them is just a case of you wind it and you turn it on and so on. I want you to imagine there's a battery in there. The battery is your brain. And the windy-windy thing is your gut doing its thing. And you're winding that up. The more that that's happy and effective and useful and moving and doing what it needs to do, the more efficient that spinny thing is doing its thing to charge the battery to then shine the light, which is you doing your thing, right? I'm working this analogy, folks. The more that works more effectively, the better the gut brain sorry gut brain axis put my teeth in. The better that is, the more effective that is, the more efficient that is, the more efficient the charge is in the battery. I.e., in this case, the more clearer of thought, clearer of vision. You are going to think better. You are your your psychology towards yourself is better. You're going to feel more virtuous if you're eating well. If you think, oh, I can't really be bothered to eat and you get McDonald's, you're probably not going to feel very virtuous. You're not going to feel very good about yourself. You might. There's a time and a place. Don't get me wrong. If that brings you happiness, fine. But if you're doing it more regularly, you're going to start thinking things about yourself. Your gut's not going to be as flourishing. The gut bacteria, the trillions and trillions of, of organisms that, are, that make up everything in your intestines that help and aid in the digestion and the breakdown of food, if they're unhappy... You as a human being are going to be unhappy. There are going to be things wrong. There are going to be things not working as they should do. And this is the area of nutrition that doesn't get dived into when you just focus on calories. So all these people like Tim Spector that turn around and go, oh, calories don't matter, are morons. But this is where we need to understand that there are two sides of the, two sides of the camp here. On this far side, on the far right would it be the far right side? I'm not sure. I think it will be the far right side. On the far right, that's left. On the far right, you've got hardline tracking. Track everything. Bodybuilder. It's just numbers. If it fits your macros, bro. And they're talking boring stuff around down the gym. On the far left, you've got this. I'm going to eat what my body tells me to eat because calories don't matter. And nobody understands them on the far left. We need to make sure we meet them in the middle. It's an understanding of calories. But to understand calories, you've got to understand food. You've got to understand what makes up that food. You've got to understand, if we're looking at grams of protein, well, tell me right now, a chicken breast. Do you know off the top of your head how many grams of protein are in a chicken breast, roughly speaking, on average? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. If you do, chuck in the comments. Let me know. Prove me wrong. But the thing is, not a lot of people know these off the top of their head. I'm not saying you need to memorize everything, but we need to understand that. Because if we don't understand that, we'll be eating peanut butter for protein. Don't do that. You'll be eating loads of peanut butter, not realizing that's actually hugely calorically dense. It's massively energy dense for a low volume that you can eat. It's quite hard to fill up on peanut butter without eating, you know. But then you'll see people who are on these this, this sort of far left group and they're putting smoothie videos up on social media and they're saying, oh, this is a high protein vegan smoothie and it's made with oat milk and 100 grams of, of peanut butter. For reference, you don't put 100 grams of peanut butter on a piece of toast. That's a lot of peanut butter. And, you know, I thought, oh, I'll quickly just top up the calories for this just to have a look at it. One smoothie, one smoothie 
right? And it had some protein powder and stuff in there as well, so I have no idea whether adding 100 grams of peanut butter. One smoothie was 1,100 calories. 1,100! They're like, oh yeah, you can just drink this straight after your workout. Idiots. This is that far left group that nobody understands. Because they've taken the... They've taken the just looking at ingredients far too far and they're not understanding the sports science application of this information. Just like over here on the far right, you've got the if it fits your macros, bro, you can lose weight on Pop-Tarts. You can, yeah, you can. There are studies done uh, on somebody. It was an anecdotal study. It was an anecdotal N equals one study, which means it was one person who, who was in the study group. The N number is the amount of people that are in the, amount of subjects in the group. So if ever you see N on a uh, scientific study, if it's like N equals 23, there was 23 people in that study. When we talk about people who are just studying themselves, and it's like, hey, I ate this, and then I'm all of a sudden healthy, so therefore everyone else should do it. That's called N equals one. We need to try and take that with a pinch of salt. Anyway, there was a study done. N equals one. It was an anecdotal study on one individual person who lost weight by balancing calories by only eating Twinkies. Right? It was an American study. Twinkies are an American sweet thing. Like, nutritional benefit of eating actual dark matter. Um, and he lost weight. Why? Because he managed calories. That's an example of this far right. They are not looking at the food quality itself. They're just looking at the numbers. And on this side, they're not looking at the numbers at all. They don't care about the sports science out there, the, the sports, sorry, the nutritional science of it. They're just looking at things and getting things wrong. Why you would eat an 1100 calorie smoothie, I don't know. But then you've got the if it fits your macros crew that are just like, yeah, just fit into your macros, just count the calories. No, normal people, we need to meet in the middle. We need to have the understanding of the nutritional science application of the mathematics of what we eat because that's how we can understand it. And then we need to take the quality of what we're eating on this side and that's where we have the challenge like we had the other week of eating 35 different different plants in a week. You know, for some that was a massive challenge, for others it was really easy. Because that is the key, that's finding the variety. You take a mass of plant-centric, higher protein foods with a mixture of carbohydrates, fats, oils, all these different things and you apply it to the numbers. And in the world, according to Ben, the more adventurous you can be on this side, while abiding to the nutritional science aspect of it, you are winning. You are in the perfect middle ground. When it comes to nutrition, we need to stop doing this extremist, reductionist approach to saying, oh, we should just never eat that, or we should only eat this. Because none of that makes any sense to anybody. Because the beauty, in my opinion, of nutrition is every single person in the adventure coach has a different approach. It's brilliant. Because what Sarah eats is what is different to what other Sarah eats. What Kirsty eats is different to what Tony eats. How Tony eats is different to how Claire eats. It's brilliant. That's the beauty of nutrition. But we need to take elements from both sides of the camp. Do the Bruce Lee thing of adapt what is useful, discard what is not, and add what is uniquely your own. Discard a lot of the BS on each side of the curve here and then meet it in the middle, adapt what is useful, add what is uniquely your own, so that you can all understand it, and you can apply it to your life. That is the bones of nutrition. The more adventurous you can be in what you eat, great, you're spicing things up. That could literally go, be from going, from using the same 20 recipes every, all the time ever, to saying 21, and just adding a new one in, and trying something different, trying something new, understanding what's in that food. Like, understanding, I made some 
wild garlic and nettle pesto, but the binding agent for that pesto was pine nuts and olive oil. Well, I need to understand that obviously pine nuts and olive oil are a little higher in fat in their content, but olive oil is a phenomenal source of alpha linoleic acid and linoleic acid. It's a fantastic polyunsaturated fatty acid, omega-6 fatty acid. This is brilliant. It's really good for health. It's part of the Mediterranean diet, which is at the core of anything that they eat in the Mediterranean. Pine nuts are a phenomenal source of more monounsaturated fats, so incredibly healthy fatty acids. But we also need to make sure that we understand, well, actually, it's probably going to be quite calorie dense, so I'm not going to have that much. But again, in its raw form, because I haven't cooked, you don't cook any of the, um, of the leaves before, apart from wilting the stingers off the nettles, you don't cook any of the leaves. So you're getting the maximum amount of nutritional benefit from those leaves by not cooking them. So you've got, genuinely, a really healthy pesto. On this side of the camp, they might look at the calories and go, whoa, man, can't have too much of that. On this side of the camp, they might look at that and go, oh, but that's, don't worry about calories and just eat the whole thing. But you see how we've got to meet in the middle here. And the more adventurous we can be, the more we can try things out, the more we're just expanding our culinary repertoire. It's exactly the same with workouts. If we do the same five workouts all the time, you're going to peak in your progress. You need to spice things up. Does that make sense? That was definitely a Ben Turner rant. And that was not what I was expecting to dive into this evening. But I hope that helps. That's my approach to nutrition. And that's what I'm trying to get each and every single one of you on board with. We don't just plug everything into a tracking app and crack on. We need to look at the other side. We don't just go airy-fairy, eat what my body tells me to eat and crack on because I'll be eating Tyrrells lightly salted and dipping it into hummus all day long with a bit of Nando's piri-piri sauce until the cows come home. You know, there are elements that we need to take from both camps, meet in the middle, and then we understand how we can apply the nutrition uh, methods to us. Like I've said to, I think I've sent this to a couple of people now, you know, it's um, Harrington Emerson said of methods, there are a million and then some of principles. There are few the man or woman who can grasp the principles, can grasp and understand the principles, can apply their own methods. The man or woman who applies, who abides only by the methods is sure to find trouble, which is a fantastic quote. Because you look at the principles of nutrition, you can find your own methods. Because nutrition's so subjective, you can do what the hell you want to do. As long as you understand the evidence-based, science-backed principles. Things like intermittent fasting, things like 5-2, uh, which is completely made up. Things like, uh, what's the other one called? Is it Sarah Connolly diet or whatever? No, Sarah Connor diet, that's the Terminator. Um, you know, all these named diets, Atkins and Slimming World, these are concentrating on the methods and they are very seldom educating people on the principles behind it because they don't want people to do things for themselves. They want to capitalize on the money of people not knowing the principles behind it. You need to understand the principles behind it, which is what I will teach you every single step of the way so that you can find your own methods that work. If tracking works for you, crack on. Honestly, crack on. If it doesn't, awesome. Let's figure out what does work. And we understand we need to abide by certain principles to make our own methods. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. And there we go, team. That is... That was a bit of a rant from me, but I hope that makes sense. I'm very... Nutrition was very much... Apart from the, like, the adventure training qualifications and bits and expeditions and stuff, nutrition was very much where I initially started properly working. And it's the deepest area of my study, and I absolutely love it.
Nutrition is a fascinating subject for men and women and the differences, for looking at differences in age, for looking at differences against sports versus lifestyle. Fantastic. It's a never-ending subject that we will never know everything about. So any questions, anything you want to know nutritionally, send them in. Let's dive into it. Because I, I want to know. There are certain things that you want to dive into. You know, I know somebody asked me a question on the uh, question box to put my stories the other day about intermittent fasting and getting a bit of clarity on that. I did my first kind of debunking video the other day and I was a bit nervous about posting it because I haven't really done anything like that. Well, not on a public post anyway before. Uh, and I was like, I wonder how it's going to get <coughs> uh, responded to. And actually, it was huge, a huge response and people really, really liked it. So I'm going to do more. And the thing is, somebody commented on that and said, we need to dive into intermittent fasting. I don't really understand it. There's so many opinions. Of course there is. So things like that we'll dive into. Anything else that you want to talk about, let me know because we'll do it. We'll, we'll do it. And if you want the scientific studies, I'll send them to you. If you want the, uh, the research, I'll send them to you. I have an entire what I call my compendium of research, which is a lot of my backups of evidence-based researches on certain bits of, of information like, you know, sugar is addictive. Well, I've got several studies on that that prove it otherwise and such and such. And looking at contrarian analysis of certain things. This is fascinating. So if there are areas that you want to dive into, send them away, comment away, post away, do whatever. Let me know and then we will dive into it right here in one of our calls and we'll, we'll debunk them until the cows come home and we'll learn new things and we will develop together. Team, that is it for me. If you have any questions at all, please do comment away. If I miss you at the end of this call, uh, jump on into either the open office which is not going to be called open office chat uh, which is currently the fireside chat chat uh, dive into there post it in the facebook group you know where i am you know where we are let me know and let's dive into it otherwise thank you all very much for your attention this evening i will be putting a plan up for next week and the rest of this month for our wednesday calls you'll be very lucky the one at the end of this month on the 31st will be done in austria so i will definitely be eating strudel at the same time um, so I look forward to seeing you all then. Team, have an amazing rest of this week and an amazing evening. I will be off to the mountains tomorrow uh, and Wednesday. Uh, sorry, Wednesday. Tomorrow and Saturday and in Sunday, in fact. So it's going to be a wonderful weekend actually on this side. I hope you all have an absolutely stunning weekend yourselves. And I'll catch you all next week. Team, peace.